0: afraid not podcast with jill mccormick and robin wall we believe that our stories matter and make us who we are every other week we invite guests to join us and share their stories even though our stories have knots, we are not afraid our stories are afraid they are not perfect
1: we believe the truth of our mess makes us stronger we hope that god uses these stories to encourage and strengthen your faith as you trust in him our theme verse is Colossians 1 17, which says, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, even our afraid knots. So listeners, welcome to our summer series, and this is the second episode in our summer series that we're doing for 2022, we are going to be looking at the frayed knots of women of the Bible. And so we are thrilled you're here today. And Jill, who are we going to be talking about today?
0: Well, from the Old Testament, we're going to talk about Leah, Mm -hmm. who was married to Jacob, sister of Rachel. So we'll talk about that. And then in the New Testament, we're going to talk about the woman at the well Also known as the Samaritan woman.
1: Yeah, and these, both of these stories, you might find yourself in this story today, both of them, relating to how these women were real people that dealt with problems that we deal with too. So let's just jump in and enjoy the episode.
0: So Robin, what do you remember about Leah?
1: Well, I really have always felt sad for her. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Because she just felt like always the the one that was left out and forgotten mm-hmm. in the shadows. And I, I wonder if it was always a kind of a fight at home.
0: Yeah. Okay, you know, so always. let's talk about Leah. Yeah. I'm going to read some in Genesis 29 first. I'm going to tell part of the story. And then we're going to talk about it. So in Genesis 29, starting in verse 16, it says, Now Laban, now Laban, okay, let me stop already. Laban is Leah and Rachel's father. Leah and Rachel were women. They were um, very, is a very thought... Of family, Jacob is coming along, and he is their cousin. Now, remember, we're in a different culture, a different time. At that time, marrying your cousin was an okay thing to do.
1: People really wanted to, yeah, actually, marry within their family, marry a cousin or a right, yeah,
0: right, some so connection. Jacob is there. He has already seen Rachel, and he immediately, love at first sight, fell in love with her. Was in love with her, the the younger sister. So he goes to Laban, and he wants to marry Rachel. So here's where we pick up that story. Laban had two daughters. The name of the older one was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was lovely and form and beautiful. Now, Leah having weak eyes, we're not exactly sure what that means. I mean, I don't know if that means she had a lazy eye, she had... Bad or maybe eyesight. maybe
1: she had one of those conditions where she constantly had weepy like she was constantly wiping her eyes and they were bloodshot maybe. maybe that's what it means Yeah we
0: don't know we just know that he that Jacob was immediately thought Rachel was the most beautiful thing he'd ever seen Leah not so much
1: And it does it sets up the comparison that that was not seen as whatever whatever she dealt with was not as attractive Right That's what it sets it up yes. to sound like
0: Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you to Laban. I'll work for you for seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because he was so in love with her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is complete and I want to lie with her.
1: That would be a nice thing to say to your hey, future father-in-law. Yeah, no more to say <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I, I want to lie with her. Give me my wife. <laughs> oh, wow.
0: Okay. okay. How about that as a asking for a hand marriage?
1: The toast. It's the toast it's at the, the
0: wedding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Laban brought together all of the people of the place and gave a feast. But when the evening came, he took his daughter Leah and gave her to Jacob, and Jacob lay with her. And Laban gave... His servant Zilpah to his daughter as a her maid servant. When the morning came, there was there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, "What is this you've done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? What have you? Why have you deceived me?" Okay, let's stop here for a second.
1: Yes, let's stop. Shall we? Okay, so <laughs> how do we make it all the way to the next morning before he figures this out? Right. Now,
0: it's possible that she had a veil thick enough, maybe over her face. Yes. He didn't know that it was her when he got married to her. He lays with her that night. And he may have been
1: quite intoxicated. He could have been.
0: Yeah. It could have been very dark. Yeah. We don't know. But for whatever reason, he did not know until the next morning. Surprise! I'm not Rachel. I'm Leah.
1: That really must have been a devastating moment for him and
0: Right, because his reaction when he saw her was probably devastating to her.
1: I'm sure she felt like, I'm so... She was crushed with his disappointment.
0: Crushed with his disappointment. And
1: we don't know if
0: she was in on this or if Laban had said, Hey, Leah, Jacob wants to marry you. We don't know. Maybe she thought Jacob wanted to marry her.
1: And you know what? Even if Leah said... Oh father don't do this. This is a terrible idea. It wouldn't have mattered if she said that or not because women had no voice. No voice. And no. the father wouldn't have cared one bit what he what his daughter thought. He would have done whatever he wanted. This is the kind of guy he was. He was a yeah. real was underhanded trickster of a guy. Yeah. Which, let's be honest, so was Jacob, but <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get to Jacob in a little. Yeah, bit. so but okay. So he didn't care what Leah thought.
0: No. So Laban, um, he, Jacob says, "Why have you deceived me?" Laban says, "It is not our custom here to give you the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, and then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work."
1: Hmm. He makes it sound like oh. It was just an honest mistake. It's just, it's it's just the way we this do is things. This just the way we do
0: things. Yeah. Give her her bridal week this week. You can marry Rachel next week. Work another seven years. No harm, no foul. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his servants girl Bill Haw to his daughter Rachel as her maidservant and Jacob lay with Rachel also and he loved Rachel more than Leah and he worked for Laban another seven years. So basically Jacob has worked for fourteen years for Rachel, not Leah. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Jacob for a minute. Jacob, if you want to remember, also has a brother named Esau. And he back in his story Jacob and Esau's parents showed favoritism in Big different time. ways. Yeah. Jacob's mother greatly favored Jacob. Jacob's father greatly favored Esau. And this became a huge family re- family issue between all of them.
1: You think your family is dysfunctional? Check I mean, out this one. This
0: is a major soap opera. So if you want to go back and look at that story, that's an interesting story too. But this favoritism shown by Jacob's parents is now bleeding into Jacob's life with his wife's and he has a favorite wife and it's going to cause issues as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. So, um, So Leah felt disregarded by three people. She was disregarded by her husband Jacob. She was disregarded by her father and we'll see that she's also disregarded by her sister Rachel. They all disregarded her, didn't think that highly of her, were not very kind to her. So she's dealing with a lot of embarrassment, a lot of shame, a lot of um, why me, why was I born like this, why, didn't, why doesn't Jacob love me, but she still served him, she still was his wife, she still did her, her duties as a wife, and God saw her, and we will see in the next couple verses that Even though these other people didn't seem to see her, God did, and he rewarded her for that. So if we look over in verse 31, pick that back up, it says, When when the Lord saw Leah was not loved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she named him Reuben. For she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery, surely my husband will love me now. So Reuben's name actually means, Behold a son. And Leah was, just wanted recognition from Jacob. She wanted, mm-hmm. she, this is, I provided you your firstborn son. Here he is. I just, behold, you have a son. I just need you to see me. She just wanted to be seen. Still didn't happen. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Simeon's name actually means heard. So she was wanting communication. She was wanting to be seen and heard by her husband. And again, she conceived and she gave birth to a son. And she said, now at last my husband will become attached to me because I've borne him three sons. So he, he was named Levi. Levi means attached. She wanted connection with Jacob. She wanted to feel like she was attached to him. And then she conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah, and then she stopped having children. Now she'll start having children again later, but at that point she stopped having children. Judah's name actually means praise. And at this point, Leah's decided, I'm not getting what I need from Jacob. I'm not going to get it. He's not going to love me more or the same as Rachel ever. So she turns her focus to God, and she also became a woman that people envied after that because judah is where we get the line of jesus Mm -hmm. jesus came through the line of judah so god rewarded leah in so many ways that she could not even see at that time she ended up having a son who would be have jesus in his lineage she ended up having these sons who are part of the 12 tribes mm-hmm. big big players more than these four she ends up having more than this but um even though there was favoritism with rachel there was she was not seen rachel later on is kind of snarky with her sister and angry that she doesn't have any children she ends up having children later also but Rachel is also not always very kind to Leah and right. kind of puts it in her face a little bit that she's the most loved. So Leah somehow has to get her bearings and her place in this world and she can only get that through God because she's not getting it through her father, she's not getting it through her husband, and she's not getting it through her sister. Mm-hmm. So, But she ends up being in the line of Jesus himself.
1: hmm Wow. I just wonder how many of us in our lives have felt overlooked like Leah did. Or we have felt like things are just so unfair. Cause mm-hmm. I think Leah may have had that complaint. This is just so unfair.
0: Yeah. Or when we don't feel seen, mm-hmm. we don't feel heard, we don't we don't feel like anybody's listening to us or we don't feel like we we're being seen even though Leah felt that and had every reason to feel that way god saw her and god took care of her and i would encourage you to go back and look at the rest of this story and also to go back and look at jacob and esau's story and how showing favoritism in a family whether it's with your children whether it's with i mean we don't have you probably have more than one spouse now thankfully but Let's uh, that. <laughs> whether it's with you know whatever it's going to cause an issue. Mm-hmm. So that's what I got from that. Yeah. I really like Leah.
1: I do too. And I bet she
0: is actually really beautiful. She just wasn't beautiful in Jacobs. He, she didn't have the same, whatever the cultural beauty image of that time was in their, in their, in their place. That was not what she had.
1: Mm-hmm. And Rachel did. I wonder if Rachel and Leah were ever able to come to a sisterly love for each other and before Rachel passed away in childbirth, I wonder if they were ever able to love each other and not be so vying for that competitive edge of Mm -hmm. who's going to have the husband more, who's going to... I don't know.
0: Because we're not even just talking about Lee and Rachel with Jacob either. If we get further into the story because Rachel couldn't have any children, she ends up giving Jacob her maidservant to have children with, Mm -hmm. so he's with her also. And then that woman has babies, and then Leah can't have any more babies, so she gives him her maidservant. So now we've got four women involved, and then Leah starts having babies again, and then finally Rachel has babies, but it's like none of this was feeding what they were trying to feed. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: They were having these beautiful children, that were blessing them in so many ways, I'm sure. But it was not gaining for Leah. It was not gaining what she wanted from Jacob. And for Rachel, even though she loved Jacob so much and he and was obviously his favorite and they had this great kind of love story, she just wanted a child. So both of them were struggling in different ways.
1: What Leah said when she named Judah, her fourth son... Reminds me of Psalm 34 1. And Psalm 34 1 is, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And that just is such a thought of reminding me, reminding myself, just praise the Lord no matter what. Praise the Lord no matter what. And I think that's what Leah learned to do. Mm-hmm. By the end of that part of the story, and then her story, and un- un- you know, it unfolded more of it. But I think she kind
0: of became to peace and, and an understanding when she finally had Judah and named him Praise. I oh, will mm-hmm. praise God instead of I need me, I need to be heard, I need my husband to attach to me, I need him to see me. All of those things, yes, is true, but once she turned her focus to God and just started looking at him and glancing at her life instead of the reverse, it changed her trajectory and it changed her mindset of where she was going.
1: That'll preach right there, Jill. <laughs> <laughs> we just stop looking behind oh. us and we put our eyes on God. We just never know where he's going to take our trajectory. That's a good word. <laughs> okay, so listeners, we have from this Old Testament treasure we've been talking about some great things and we're going to hop over to the new testament now for our second biblical frayed knot story for today and we're going to go to a much loved story i i know where you love you know her we all love her this is the woman at the well so this story is from john four so the whole chapter one through forty five has important references for us, and we'll just pick and choose certain verses as we hear the story. But to even set us up, Jill, what do you know about what the Samaritan people, how were they viewed by the Jews? What do we know about them?
0: They were not well liked by the Jews. Samaritans were half Jewish, half Gentile. So they were just seen as very below Mm -hmm. anyone else people had to pass through samaria to get to other places and they it was like going somewhere where you're were like we're just going to drive through don't stop the car here like mm-hmm. we don't know where to stop here we don't know what's going on you just went walked right through you didn't stop if you were jewish going through samaria yeah
1: and the animosity went both ways mm-hmm. those people that were samaritans that were half jews they despised the Jews And this was a long-standing rivalry. This goes back hundreds of years, like 700 years, that this has been a we-hate-them-they-hate-us kind of situation. The hospitality of the day would not have been extended to each other. The Samaritans would have been hospitable with each other, and Jews were hospitable with each other, and this was a, a culture of hospitality. But you can see in this story that it's shocking that Jesus breaks down those walls. Um, I just absolutely love this story and I love the lady, in this story, and I'm convinced she's in the kingdom of God. We're going to meet her someday in heaven, and I'd love to sit down and interview her for real. (laughs) So if we could have her sitting in in an interview with us right now, that would be really cool.
0: Well, and I just think we need to really understand how shocking, like you said, how shocking it was for Jesus to even stop and speak to this woman. Yes. Talk about that. That just didn't happen. You just did not. First of all, he's talking to a woman. Mm Mm-hmm that was the thing itself because women were also seen as below Mm -hmm. and he's talking to a Samaritan woman so most people would see that and be like "Why? what is what are you even doing why would you even bother to stop and talk to this woman Mm
1: -hmm.
0: there's no point
1: okay so we're going to be looking at John 4 and I will just read through certain of the verses while we tell, tell the story Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. So this verse tells us that Jesus knew that his father wanted him to be where he was working. And for right now, it was to get out of Judea to, he knew that, The cross was coming, but it wasn't time yet. So Jesus headed north to Galilee. So he had to get through Samaria unless he would have gone all the way around Samaria, which some devout Jews did. (laughs) They would go miles and miles out of their way. So verse four says, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. All right, so to set this up, Jesus makes sure it's just himself. He has sent the disciples away to get food. He is there, and it's a divine appointment. He knows he's going to meet her there because he's God. He knows that she is going to be deeply needy and lonely. He knows that... The conversation that's going to happen is going to be the conversation of a lifetime. And it's actually an incredibly important conversation he's about to have with her the very first time that he ever tells anybody on the earth, I am the Messiah. And he's chosen this day, this moment, this person, this lady of Samaria to be the one to have this conversation with. So a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Okay, so let's stop here for just a second. If we know that culturally, all of the people of the day were a society of community. They did things together. Families were always together. The friendships were together. It was a, um, the women do this together. The men do this together. It's a Uh, togetherness all the way through no one is going to be making their own little routine by themselves unless there's something really wrong so the fact that she's by herself and it's the hottest part of the day gives us a lot of warning like red flags something has gone desperately wrong she must feel that she has no one if she is coming to the well by herself the hottest part of the day so I just wonder if any of you listeners have ever felt like this. Have you ever felt like I am, for whatever's going on in my life, I'm avoiding everybody. I'm going to make sure I don't see these people and those people. I'm going to be alone. I'm going to just get my water and get on with my life. And I don't want to be a part of, I don't want the gossip. I don't want the whatever's going on. She's just trying to duck her head down and get, get her water and get back home. Well, she knew
0: anywhere she went, people were talking about her. Yeah. If she heard whispers about things behind her, they were talking about her, and she knew that.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Because even amongst this group of people, she was seen as
1: even lower than them. She was seen as the lowest, right? Mm -hmm. So let's see why. Let's read a little further. Now, it's pretty honestly amazing that Jesus took this leveling moment of, here she is, she has the jar and the the way to draw the water. He's got nothing in his hands. And he's so humanly saying to her, please give me a drink. This is this is really a moment of his humanity. And when you think about it, he was asking a kindness from her. So it's really in showing her she's more important than he than maybe she felt. He's already valuing her the fact that he's talking to her the fact that he's asking a favor from her this is this is an important moment so he says give me a drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food the Samaritan woman said to him how is it that you a Jew ask for a drink from me a woman of Samaria for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans Jesus answered her if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, "Give me a drink," you would have asked him, and He would have given you living water. Okay, wow. Look at this conversation. Oh my goodness. So he's going deep right away. Um, she starts to kind of deflect things with, you know, "But you're a Jewish. Why are you talking to me?" He goes right to the heart of the matter. If you really knew who I was? you would have asked me for living water. So let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, what do you notice about that, Jill? What do you think?
0: (laughs) Well, he kind of starts speaking theology to her, but he does it in a calm, kind way. Not in a way of like, you're an idiot. How do you not know this? (laughs) What is wrong with you? How can you not see what I'm saying to you? He just calmly is like, you need to look at it from this other side and see that actually I have what you need.
1: And he values her enough to have a real conversation with her. So let's read on. Uh, we're in verse number 11. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. The well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock.
0: Jacob, who we just talked oh, about. Oh, at there.
1: <laughs> Connection. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when the Bible shows us cool things like that. <laughs> So Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. I'm going to pause here for a second. I just want to, to say to everyone listening, this water that Jesus is talking about, he's offering it to you. He's offering it to me. Today, he is offering it to everyone who will come to him. He has the water that will quench all of your thirst forever because he has the gift of salvation. He is the answer to all of our eternal needs. He is our savior and he offers himself to everyone who will come to him. He says it's the water inside that will well up within to eternal life. Wow. So that's just in case you're on the other side of this microphone thinking, I don't really know what that's talking about. I wonder if I could have that. Yes, you could. (laughs) Yes, you could. Okay, so now we're in verse 16. And here is where we have a really interesting moment. Jesus decides to reveal to this lady Not only do I value you, but I already know you. He already knows her. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Okay, so let's pause here for a second. So, Jill, let's talk about this for a minute. Okay. In this culture, who did the divorcing? Men. There was
0: no time that a woman could say, I want a divorce. Ever. At this
1: time. So we know that this heartbroken lady has been through not one, not two, but five times a man has married her and walked out. And has walked out on her and is rejected And what her. could men divorce their wives for at that time? Oh, and this is just so sad. They could, if they followed the law of Shemai, which was that cultural bent of the letter of the law, if Jews were in that camp, they could divorce their wives for any infraction, even as small as burning the bread. Literally as small as burning the bread. There was another camp of the day called Hallel, the camp of Hallel. And that was a much more um, the spirit of the law of seeing that God did not want divorce. So this, the fact that this poor woman had been rejected five times, and it was probably never her choice, She would have been devastated. She would have been shamed. She would have been embarrassed and mortified. And she's at the point now where maybe this man that she's living with doesn't even want to get married to her. But she's staying with him anyway. She has nowhere to go. Because in this culture, in this day, a woman could not have a job on her own. She could not make money on her own. She had no voice. She couldn't vote. She couldn't have any kind of property. She was just out in the cold if she didn't have a family member taking care of her or a husband taking care of her. So she didn't, evidently she had no children. The Bible doesn't give us indication that she had had children. So she is completely helpless and hopeless, and she feels like an outcast. So does your heart break for her? And Also, doesn't it just make you just thrill to the fact that Jesus knows her so well and loves her so much and he values her enough to have this amazing conversation with her that day at noon?
0: And I think we really need to get a hold of the shame this woman was holding on to because she couldn't have left a husband. So they all five left her for whatever reason, burning the bread, maybe she couldn't have children, whatever the reason. Yeah. They all walked out. And... She, everybody in her town knows this. Everybody knows this. So that's a lot of shame to be carrying around. That's why whenever there were whispers in the town around her, she knew they were talking about her. They were.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's why she chose to go to the well at the hottest time of the day, all by herself, to try to avoid the shame. But she, she was feeling it deep inside her, and Jesus saw it. Jesus saw her, and he had this divine appointment with her. This story continues um, in verse number 21. They're talking actually about worship, which is a little bit more of this theological conversation, which is kind of another cool thing that Jesus cared enough about her to talk about things of God with her. So the woman says, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say, she's talking about Jews, you Jews say that in Jerusalem the place where people, they need to worship there. And Jesus said to her, woman, and he's kind of getting back to the topic here. He's not gonna talk about where the Samaritans wanna worship, where the Jews wanna worship. He says, here it is. This is verse 21. Believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Wow.
0: <laughs> oh my yeah. goodness. So then what was her next response after
1: that? Her next response straight after this is, I need to go tell everybody. I need to go tell everyone I'm going to leave. She left in such a hurry, she left her water jar, which is like, I don't know, running out the door without your car keys and like, I don't care. I'm <laughs> to run. To she leaves the water jar. And she goes immediately because she wants to tell everyone in her town, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town. They were coming to him. And as the story unfolds even further, this begins many people coming to Christ because because of this lady's testimony, many more, verse 41 says, and many more believed because of the word of the Samaritans who believed. They said to this woman, it is no longer because of what you said that you that we believe, for we have heard ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. So the Samaritans started believing not just because of the word of her testimony, but because of Jesus himself. This is huge. This is in a day and age when no one listened to women. God used this woman who came from a shameful, hurt Background: He used her to change this entire town. And how amazing it is to consider that Jesus set aside all of those things. He didn't care what the who the big wigs of the day thought this religious rule should be. He saw this woman. He loved this woman. He set aside all of the prejudices of the day. Men aren't supposed to talk to women, especially Jews, aren't supposed to talk to Samaritans at all. And he sat down with her, and had this amazing, life-changing conversation.
0: And it makes me wonder if she, if her countenance looked different, if there was just something different about her, because this is a woman who was shunned even in her own community, that all of a sudden now everybody is listening to. So her reaction, her look, something was so different about her when she came back that it caught their attention, and they were willing to go, okay, we're going to go figure out what just happened because this is different. This has never happened here before. Mm
1: -hmm. And the living water that Jesus was talking to her about, she experienced because she put her faith in him. And that living water completely changed her inside and out. So just this story to me is for all of us. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through in this very moment, that Jesus sees you and that he cares about you and he offers you the the fact that he values you and he wants to give you the same love and the living water that he gave to this woman at the well. We don't know her name, but I feel sure he did.
0: <laughs> and we he Jesus honored women and brought brought honor to them mm-hmm. in a culture where he, they were so shamed. You couldn't even Testify in court if you're a woman. Woman yeah. wasn't considered reliable. Um, their spit was considered unclean. Like there was nothing valuable in this patriarchal society at that time about women. But Jesus came along and said, No, 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 no. That's not. I don't. I don't see woman that way. That's not. That's fact, not how God sees you.
1: I think about how. Um, he revealed that in the way that he was basically saying can I please take a drink out of your water cup because she had the water cup to draw for her with that um, the pulley system at the well she was going to let him drink after her which is another demonstration he didn't care what the whatever the rule book yeah, would have said certainly
0: wouldn't drink after a Samaritan or after a woman he right. certainly wouldn't do that Yeah. so yeah
1: so this is a pretty great story. I love
0: it. I do too. <laughs> we hope you guys are enjoying this series that we're doing this summer on different women in throughout Scripture and their frayed knots. And um, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Next week, we got a couple more exciting ones for you. If you want to read ahead, we will go ahead and let you know. Next week, we will be discussing Hannah from the Old Testament mm-hmm. and a woman caught in adultery in the New Testament
1: we don't know her name, but we know her story. Yeah, it's a big deal when a
0: woman gets a name.
1: It is a big deal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So everyone, we'll see you in a couple weeks. And thanks for listening today.
0: Have a wonderful couple weeks, and we'll see you back.